21CL Radio. You're listening to the Run Your Life podcast with host Andy Vassar. A warm hello to you wherever you are in the world. Uh, we thank you, Neil and I thank you for listening to our mindfulness series, our four times mindfulness series. Um, we are actually recording live at K2 Bar and Grill in Blue Mountain, Ontario. And to set the scene here, it's a lovely Friday afternoon, sunny, 21 Celsius. Uh, and right now in front of us, a few hundred meters away, we are looking at four beautiful ski slopes. Uh, so this is a, a ski village that we're in, and in the summer they have uh, outdoor summer pursuits, hiking and running and cycling, mountain biking, mountain biking yes. Uh, zip lining. Zip lining, it's a really beautiful thing. Uh, the last time we recorded, we were in China, and it was truly unknown. Uh, the future was unknown at that point because we were we were waiting for our Saudi work visas. Well, I'm happy to uh, report that the Saudi work visas came in. We made it back to Canada. We've been back here a couple weeks and we're, we're slowly winding down, um, you know, getting into vacation mode, so to speak. So um, I'm with Neela and Neela's going to say a few words before we begin today's episode. Yeah, to add, it's just a beautiful day and we're excited to record this sixth episode. And um, it's been great being outdoors. Our boys are in day camp, and um, they're the ones that are running around on the beach, ziplining, playing mini golf, and they're very content and happy to meet new people at camp. Yeah, and funny enough, Eli, this is just a little side story, but Eli and Ty are are really open to meeting new people and uh, being international kids and, and having gone to international schools for the last few years. Um, they're very open to meeting kids from different cultures and uh, ethnic backgrounds, but it's kind of funny because when Eli knew that he was going to camp in Canada, he was very excited, but he, before camp actually started uh, on Monday and we were bringing him in, he actually said to us, you know, I'm really nervous to meet Canadian kids <laughs> right. because all the kids at the camp are from Canada and uh, they're local kids in the in this uh, Blue Mountain, Ontario area. So he was actually a bit nervous to meet other kids, but he and Ty have, have adjusted very well, and they're having a great time at camp. Um, so Neil and I have chosen, as always, two seeds of mindfulness, uh, two seeds of insight and inspiration regarding mindfulness uh, that we want to share with you for this sixth episode. So Neela Steele, I think she's all ready to go. For the first seat of mindfulness for I am. I am. for the sixth episode. So, Neela, take I'm it away. I'm going to start with um, when we were planning our summer, I signed up for a North Face trail run. And it's my first trail run. It's a 10-kilometer. And it's basically up these trails, uh, these ski runs that I'm looking at right now. And we arrived uh, about a week ago. And so I've been doing a lot of training on the hiking trails that are here. And jumping into this one, the first 
hiking route that Andy and I did was called the Cascade Run. And we just wanted to get up the mountain as fast as we could. It was a workout and we wanted to do some intervals and there wasn't really a lot of pausing going on. And uh, I was struggling knowing that this was going to be one of the routes that I signed up for. And then I went up two or three more times on my own. And that's when I slowly started to engage more of my senses about hiking up. And one day I hiked up after it had rained. So the, the steps, uh, there's like sleet, um, moss. yeah, mossy areas. Yeah. And, and there's a creek running by. So I took the opportunity to pause a little more and stop. And everyone knows hiking is good for you physically. But I wanted to tap into our mindfulness here. And that's where I stopped and really tried to engage in all the senses. And I took, I was on my own. And I wasn't listening to any podcast or any music or anything. And I just took some time to pause and it is these moments where I really felt calm and appreciated nature and it reminded me of a term that I learned about from Dr. John Ratty's book either it was Go Wild or Spark a book I, I read a while ago where he talks about biophilia and the definition that I remember for biophilia is our innate desire to connect with other living things. And when you're out hiking on your own, yes, physically it is challenging. But I also find mentally, when you take those conscious moments to pause, and you stop, and you can do this with your kids, and you just say, what is it now that I can hear? And it's... It, there's like a soundscape that opens up. You start to hear the water, the creek, the wind, uh, the wildlife, uh, just the sound of your feet hitting the stone or the gravel. And it's in those mo moments where I just adore being in nature. And I, th I think I'm... I, as a kid, my family didn't really spend a lot of time. I, I camped a lot with my dad, but as a family, we didn't go hiking. And I realized it was when we lived in Japan and we lived right around a mountain that translates, it was called, it really translates to Dragon Mountain. And it was there that I would go to three or four times a week. And I remember spending, oh, wow. oh, we just watched it. Gust of wind and an umbrella just flew off into the water. So we everybody just said, "Wow!" So, so when I was climbing up Mount Ryozan, I went there for my thirtieth birthday on the morning of, and I remember sitting on top of the mountain and just practicing gratitude and and realizing just how small I was in the on top of the mountain. And for me, and if you're a hiker, and if you're not a hiker, if you just want to go for a walk in the city or around. You can really tap into your senses and take a purposeful pause and breathe into that moment. It doesn't have to be long, but it's an it's it's basically mindful hiking or mindful walking. And a couple, three things I want to mention when you're mindfully walking is just connect to the soles of your feet, 
touching the floor or the ground or the surface, noticing that. Then you might also tap into the sensations on the skin, the wind, either on your face or through your hair. And then the other one is again back to the breath, taking some maybe more robust breaths during the time that you're walking through. And that's mindful hiking here at Blue Mountain in Collingwood, Ontario. So in Brady's book, yeah, he I remember reading that as well and he, he talks about that idea of connecting with nature and and how over the last several years they've actually come up with uh, doctors have identified a new disorder called nature deficit disorder. So for those of you, uh, including us at times when we've lived in cities, when you don't have access to, to hiking trails like we do around here, there are still ways that you can connect, as you said, with nature in the city by being mindful of any kind of vegetation or greenery around you mm-hmm, that, that you can pay closer attention to on your walks and that in itself even in a busy hustling city with hundreds of uh, thousands of cars you can still be mindful and, and connect with whatever nature exists around you so and being back in Toronto it's amazing the number of city parks that are available and around the corner if you are on a drive and you pull in they such wide open spaces which is another part of biophilia connecting to nature and wide open spaces yeah i heard i forget where i heard this but there was a study done in michigan i think um and it was they they took a group of of people and they said okay we're going to change your route driving home. Mm, oh, yeah. Rem- remember I remember that? this somewhere, but I and think there's, this study has been done a couple times. Yeah, and it has you know, uh, proven effects on, on uh, well-being and our, our, our overall state of well-being. But they essentially had it, two study groups. One group, they said, just take your normal way, which was the quickest way, you know, main roads, whatever, getting back home. The other way... Um, it tacked on an extra five or ten minutes, but you specifically designed routes that you could drive on that were tree-lined. Yes. So that you were essentially surrounding yourself in in trees and any kind of greenery on the way to work and on the way home. And then these people took part in the study for several months, and they were able to conclusively show that the people that extended their routes and chose to drive through tree-lined streets had a greater sense of well-being and calmness. Just the other day, I don't know if you remember this, but we went to go pick up the boys from their day camp, and we were in no hurry, and we were actually listening to another podcast, and uh, you said, let's take the scenic route, because we could. Yes, and it was great. Because we're on holiday. Yes, (laughs) I like being on holiday. So, Andy Vasley, your seed of mindfulness today is? Uh, my seed of mindfulness today, uh, I've really been <clears throat> absorbing myself in, in a book uh, called The Coaching Habits, Say Less, Ask More, and Change the Way You Lead Forever, written by best-selling author Michael Bungay uh, Stanya. <laughs> uh, I've said his name wrong about a million times this That's week. Why I'm but laughing. I had Michael on my podcast yesterday, super insightful guy. Um, he's a Rhodes Scholar. He's, um, he's written several books. Um, but 
I read through his book a couple times and I took notes and, and uh, I kind of take a yellow highlighter and I highlight certain quotes that really resonate with me. And there was one quote in particular uh, by George Bernard Shaw that I, I just had here, but I know it off by heart anyways. And the, the quote has to do with communication. And everybody always talks about and, and preaches how important communication is. It's the first thing students are, it's drilled into students. Oh, we have to be better communicators or our goal is to be, uh, to always communicate with those around us. Well, the quote actually challenges that thinking because um, the quote says, uh, I have it right here, sorry. The quote says, um, the biggest problem with communication is the illusion that it's actually taken place. And it's a reminder, that really struck a chord with me because it's a reminder that as important as we say communication is, oftentimes we connect speaking only with communicating and we negate the importance of listening. So in a conversation, everybody might have, have uh, stated their points of view in a meeting or uh, in a group discussion, but chances are the people around you were not listening. They were thinking about what they had to say. Or um, they didn't listen closely enough with open ears and being really mindful when they were listening to eat, you know, each and every one of the words that the other people were saying to truly understand what it is the other person is trying to communicate. So they go away. Oftentimes people will go away thinking that they understand what was said, but the evidence shows that, I don't know, 30, 40, 50% of the time, they actually don't know what the other person was saying specifically. So it leads to a lot of frustration because it's like, I said this in the meeting, mm -hmm. weren't you listening? Mm -hmm. Or the other person's saying, no, no, this is what I heard you say. Um, so I think it goes back to that that idea that, that being mindful and being in the moment really encourages you to be present and to truly listen to what the other people other person is saying but that's not enough at that point you have to paraphrase or or drop in a strategy to um, so paraphrasing is just kind of repeating what the other person said in different words to ensure that you got it right but how do you I remember paraphrasing and how are there any sort of stock paraphrasing uh, like uh, you know like stems like what how you yes. start to come yeah yeah it's so I so I hear you say or uh, is this what you're mm -hmm. saying or or is something but just confirm what the other person is actually saying and that's that quote the biggest problem with communication is that the illu the illusion yeah. that it's actually taken place because although we feel like it's taken place, has it really taken place? Communication is listening as well. Um, so I think, you know, it's not enough just to, to mindfully listen, but, you know, be sure you understand what the person is saying and, and be clear and, and clarify with them 
and put it into practice on a, on a regular basis. And, uh, you know, we've been doing it with our kids uh, because yeah. oftentimes we don't even know what our kids are trying to communicate unless we take them. I think one of the strong phrases I use is help me understand what you're thinking. And that way it doesn't seem um, like I'm just saying, well, what are you thinking, you know, in that sort of tone, but sort of more to diffuse it and say, help me understand what it is that you're thinking and which what you would, it. yes. Yeah. Yes. Which so, was another one of the strategies from right, the, book. the coaching habit. So I think that's, that was um, my, my one seed of mindfulness that I wanted to share. Mm-hmm. So Neela? Uh, I'm going to jump to our third one. And that is the, well, a little bit of background here. So Andy mentioned that we had left China and our, our chapter in China was five years. So the only time I drive, I've, I've gotten my license. I got my license when I was 15. I think 16. it was, no, I, I was 15. I started driver's ed. And then I got the permit, and then right after my 16th birthday, I went for my driver's test, failed, first one, and then attempted the second one, and have been driving ever since. So, leaving Canada, we lived in Japan, and there I had to learn how to drive on the other side of the road. So when I came back in the summer, I'd always have that moment where I'd be making a left-hand turn in Toronto, and I, there wouldn't be a car in front of me, and I'd have that sort of brain freeze moment where I think, "Oh, am I on the right side of the road? Am I am I doing this right?" And then I eventually go through. So then we lived in Azerbaijan, where I didn't drive. Crazy place to drive. Then we went to Cambodia, and we pretty much lived in a one-kilometer radius where everything was at your fingertips. And then we moved to China, and. Um, both Andy and I did not drive in China, and we had a the luxury of having a driver. So when we come back to Canada, I, I drive in the summer, and to be honest, this was the first time that I was feeling a little anxious, and um, just like driving a new car. Well, Toronto gets busier and busier every time we get back. It does. We notice well. this, and again, we're on <laughs> holiday, and we think, wow, how do people commute every day in this? But... So driving here, it's easy to get uh, or to become overwhelmed. The radio's on, the kids are saying change their station, and I'm just getting used to everything. And I ha- I'm feeling a bit rusty. And one of the things that I like to do when we're driving is, number one, turn the radio off and not have any sort of extra noise going on and it's actually I've enjoyed it because every time we pick up our boys we we know that we're devoting time to just listening to them hearing about their day but what I want to get into is the little teeny tiny habit of practicing the stoplight breath now this is something Andy and I were talking about that Every time you come to a stoplight, you would practice taking a breath. Or every time you came to a red light, 
again, you would practice taking a breath. But oh, this, this is something you made up this summer. Yes, right? yes, and something that I do. And, and the reason that I mention Teeny Tiny Habits is I recently watched a TED Talk by uh, B.J. Fogg. And B.J. Fogg studies behavior, and he talks about these tiny habits. So I invite you to set the intention that you will stop just once daily through your commute or whether you're walking, cycling, or driving, that at one stop sign, you can certainly take a moment to consciously pause and breathe. And that way it's so easy that you might build up and say, okay, day one, I'm going to use one stop sign. Day two, two red lights. Day three, and so on. And the type of breath that I want to suggest and invite you to try is a breath where you, you exaggerate the inhalation and then you pause and retain the breath for just one or two, maybe three seconds. Now, I don't like to count one, two, three during that breath retention. I like to remind myself to just be still. You could pick three words that resonate with you. Light, love, fun. Whatever it is that you want to repeat instead of counting is completely acceptable for you. And then in Canada, I've noticed the lights are typically 30 seconds. Now in China, they were one minute. So it's not tough. And the reason I'm saying that is that these are just little minuscule practices that you can certainly have time for. Because one of the biggest excuses of not practicing mindfulness is that you're too busy and that you don't have time to add anything extra on your plate. So it's the stoplight breath and it's taking a sort of exaggerated inhalation. And if you're in your car by yourself, there's no problem with making any noise as you exhale. And, and so breathing in deeply and then holding it and then exhaling. Yes. And then if you want to, you can add in another breath retention at the end of the exhalation. So you're just consciously pausing and sort of relaxing into that moment. Instead of getting all heated and the red light and this person in front of me and they didn't turn right and they're holding us up another 30 seconds. So just pause. And I think in, in sports, it can easily be applied as well because whether you're a golfer or, you know, an ice hockey player or a soccer player or American football player, whatever it is, there are moments in competition when you can, you can take this kind of breath as well to just calm your nervous system down. I know that when you're playing sports, you don't necessarily you want to stay in a in a highly competitive emotional state, but when taking this breath, it calms your thinking down. That's the most important thing. So it might not calm your emotional state down, but it calms your thinking down. So if you're a golfer and you're about to hit a shot, 
you can do this breath as part of your pre-shot routine. And you could, you, I explained it in a very simple and teeny tiny way to create a habit, but you can definitely delve in deeper to, if you had more time and you're at the red light, for example, you might say, okay, I take my first breath and then you might acknowledge, uh, yeah, you know what? I'm, I'm pretty stressed. I feel pressed for time. And you might acknowledge that emotional state as you suggested before you're about to swing for the ball. Yeah. And then you might progress into, okay, where's the tension? Am I in position to hit the ball correctly? Or am I aligned? And then even progress to how might I relax in my body? Are my hands gripping the steering wheel where I'm white knuckled? Am I mindlessly um, just complaining about the endless amounts of traffic going on right now? So that's about it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think it really is. It's not. It's it's a great strategy to use when you're in traffic. So the stoplight breath. But as you were explaining it, I was just making the immediate connection to to sports you know and and how to kind of get yourself into that that really focused state so i think there might be something to trying it out there as well stop my breath yes. test it out and our fourth and final mindfulness seed today this is, this, a, this is a gorgeous day i need to pause and look at the beautiful clouds this is a um, this is a interesting story um and I'm choosing it because I, I believe I believe there's a lot to it. So when we came back from China, we were staying at Neela's mom's place, and uh, we were just hanging out, and we were totally jet lagged. And it was the second day that we had arrived, and uh, yeah, we were we were really tired. And you have you know anybody that's experienced jet lag knows the heaviness that comes with that, and the uh, the headaches and just general just. And not feeling very and when very you good need, when you want when that desire hits you to sleep it's not like you're thinking okay yeah i'm gonna take a nap it's like i'm opening up the fridge and i feel that urge to sleep and i want to sleep on the kitchen floor that yeah kind of so i think we had woken up from a, a deep slumber a, a deep jet lag slumber and it was about 6 p.m and the sun was still up and it felt like it was 3 a.m and Neela's mom is watching TV, and Neela's mom, uh, the phone rings a lot in their apartment, and she gets uh, a lot of telemarketers calling. And anybody who has experienced uh, telemarketers knows what a pain in the ass it can be. You pick up the phone, and then it's a telemarketer, and then your, your uh, default response is to probably swear in your head at the person or swear out loud and hang up on them. Or check out identical and not answer the phone at all. Yes. So um, the phone had uh, rang and Neela picked it up and I was talking to Neela's mom and, and then all of a sudden Neela's still talking on the phone and and, uh, and then I, I kind of like realized it was a telemarketer and she, Neela was asking the telemarketer, um, you know, what is it that you want? What is it that you want? And uh, they were calling for like uh, Bell Canada, like the telephone service, right? So Neela's, uh, Neela talked to her mom and said, oh, are you interested in this package? And then Neela's mom said no. And then 
Neela went back to the phone and said, no, uh, my mom's not interested. And uh, the telemarketer, I, Neela kept talking on the phone to the telemarketer. So I was like, what are you doing? Hang up. Just hang up on them. And then I, I hear Neela saying, well, no, my mom's not interested. And then there's a long pause. And then, and then I hear Neela um, say to the telemarketer, um, well, just, can I just um, yes. interrupt here? When, um, when he mentioned that, he said he started to get a bit snarky because he was giving me the pitch. The telemarketer. Yes. So carry on. So the, the telemarketer, yes, responded. He was, uh, you know, a bit snarky saying, well, you know, she hasn't even heard the packages. And then, Neela, I know I, I, I should be explaining this, but what was your question, your initial question that you asked him? I, I, I phrased the question. I said, um, I'm just curious, can I ask you a question? And he obliged and he said, yes. And I said, can you tell me what your passion and purpose in life is? Because I know that this is not it. So I remember hearing you say that. And then I ex fully expected that you would just hang up the phone because the guy would hang up and there was a silence and then you were listening to him and then this conversation continued for about 10 or 15 minutes and I really started to pay attention to the questions and Neela was asking this telemarketer so this telemarketer was engaged with Neela having a private discussion openly admitted that he hated his job that he thought about quitting that day and Neela kept referring back to the importance of defining your purpose and asking him what he read and then she's asking me questions like what are some books like you know she was recommending some books to him one uh, of the books we recommended was uh, Sir Ken Robbins Robinson Robinson's excuse me uh, finding your element yeah so we ended up having this or Neela kept ha uh, having this conversation with him and it turned out that his passion was basketball and and then she ended, my, my next question was if, if basketball is your passion, what are the action steps that you are taking to pursue this passion? And he didn't have an answer for me. So I listened some more and asked him some questions. And then he said, so should I quit my job? And I said, I, I can't tell you to quit your job. I can't answer that for you. And it, I was really genuine. I think because of the fact that I was so, um, jet lagged I was just present for that reason because I was tired and I was just sort of listening and then he I said no I can't answer that for you what what action steps are you taking what are you reading what what are you doing what are you grateful for and what are you targeting yourself towards because if you don't have a certain goal then then everything is just by default so sorry carry on that's fine so she then handed the phone over to me and said Andy do you have some suggestions for yeah. him so then I had a conversation with him and I recommended some great documentaries um, about basketball and uh, and we had this and he was writing everything down and and then he was really polite and he said thank you for your time <laughs> And yeah. um, he, he said, you were the coolest customer I've had all day. Yeah. And then I, I, I felt a, a little bit for him. Sorry. Sorry. Go ahead. 
So we, um, after that, after we had, uh, I had hung up the phone, then Neil and I had a post uh, conversation about that conversation that we had with him. And we realized that it felt really good to do that. And it felt really good to connect with somebody that we didn't know and to have a conversation with them and to give our time to them. And I really wanted to share that, even though Neela shared most of that. She was the <laughs> one that kind of led, led that discussion um, on the phone. But I really wanted to share that story with everybody listening because mindfulness is, again, going back to putting ourselves in that place where we're truly listening and we're of service to others, you know, and, and that we never know the impact that we can have on another person by listening to them and just asking them questions to learn more about them. And I, I must admit, you know, I, you know, Neil and I both have lots of friends and, and you know, we've, we've been lucky to meet a lot of great people over the years. But one of the biggest things that, w- that we notice is that when we are having conversations with people, um, it's it's often uh, it happens often that it's not a two-way conversation. It's it's oftentimes somebody else talking, and very little questions asked to allow you to kind of open up and share your story. And I know we've been guilty of that as well in the past, not asking questions. But I think it's just a reminder to. Uh, to be present for other people and to ask other people questions and to learn about other people and to learn about their struggles and to just generally learn uh, about what their experiences are instead of jumping in to share your own experiences only. So it's really a reminder when you're in your next discussion or you're communicating with a friend or a family member. Are you doing most of the talking or are you doing most of the question asking? And I think uh, it's, it's just something to be aware of and to strive to find balance between talking and asking questions and listening to others. And, and um, one, of the, one of the suggestions in the book is, is remain curious. Remain curious about, and and the book I'm talking about is the coaching habit, where you say less and ask more, but um, just keeping that curiosity and being open and receptive, not sort of pre-assessing what you think or assuming what others will answer or have to say to you. Yeah. So those are our four seeds of mindfulness for our sixth episode uh, we're going to try to record we're going to try to record another one in Canada before we leave but um, you know uh, to, we, to sum up yeah to sum up um, number one was mindful hiking and taking conscious breaks throughout your hike or your walk to just stop and engage the senses what is it that you hear or feel or um, smell throughout your hike or walk. Number two was the single biggest problem about communication is the illusion that it's taken place. So <clears throat> simply listening is not enough. Really clarify what the other person is saying and being mindful and being present allows you 
to do that. Number three. Was the stoplight breath. Taking a deep inhalation, retaining the breath for two or three seconds, and in those two or three seconds, just substituting some words in there, be still, be peaceful, and uh, using that time and tiny habits, creating those tiny habits to be more mindful throughout your day. Number four was the story of the telemarketer, the telemarketer story that Neela told you. Um, <laughs> but uh, it, it's uh, such a, a great lesson that mindfulness is all about being present for others and asking questions and truly staying curious about other people in our lives and their experiences. So uh, thank you for listening to our sixth episode of Four Times Mindfulness. Um, we hope you are thriving and, and doing well wherever you are in the world. Um, stay safe and continue to have a blessed and a happy summer. Any final words? Yes, wishing you uh, some light, some fun, some joy. Hope that you're enjoying your summer. And again, thank you for your precious time. And the best of luck to Neela Steele in her 10K mountain run on Sunday. Sunday. Send me some energy. Bye, folks. Thanks for listening to the Run Your Life podcast by Andy Bassman. To check out show notes, get some more information about Andy as well as his guests, head to our website, 21clradio.com.